0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day in a rather deserted city of Westminster, as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Chaloner and I'm joined on today's programme by Simon Lane. Simon is the CEO and owner of MetSpin Limited, a Hampshire-based industry leader in metal spinning, which works with various sectors including aerospace, defence and nuclear. Simon, welcome to the programme and it's great to have you on the air with us today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Scott. Great to join you.
0: Thank you, Simon, for, of course, taking the time to uh, join us on the, uh, the programme today. And the purpose of this discussion is to really gather your take on leadership as a whole. And I think it's fair to say that leadership is something that's really being put to the test at the moment, isn't it? With the COVID-19 situation, of course, and various business leaders having to really navigate this crisis and feel their way through this unprecedented territory. Tell me, for somebody working in a business which does collaborate with the aerospace sector, the nuclear sector as well, businesses which essentially will be keeping working during this time. How has it been for you as a business leader trying to get through this uh, last few weeks and months? Because I can imagine it has been a challenge in that respect.
1: Yeah, well, it's been a challenge, but we have remained uh, throughout all of the crisis. Um, Right from day one, as the suppliers to uh, the oil and gas industry, uh, to medical devices industry, then we have uh, needed to supply critical spare to those industries, uh, which is necessitated. Um, but right from the start, we implemented all of the required social distancing measures. And we. Uh, everyone's talking now about risk assessment. We did uh, a very complete risk assessment right from day one anyway, um, where we introduced like, zero touch policy, uh, looked at our cleaning and Quality throughout the factory, looked at the interpersonal uh, issues that we had, and um, basically acted on all of that right from the start. So mainly the, the issues that we faced with right from the start, um, in addition to all of that, we had to uh, also look at the customer base that we've got, and uh, looked at how we can plan to diversify ourselves moving forward so yes we do a lot of aerospace work predominantly at the moment but uh, also looking at how we can uh, move forward go into some of the other industry sectors and expand uh, accordingly
0: absolutely and that's really something that boils down to adaptability isn't it and from a leadership perspective that's incredibly important Um, and it's important for various reasons I mean in a Pure business perspective, of course, if we don't adapt, of course, we can't hope to have any sort of uh, longevity. But in very, very basic aspects of leadership, even boiling down to, say, people management, it's important to be flexible and adaptable, isn't it? Because no one approach is going to work with every single person. And while we're on the topic, people management is something which, again, is. Got a bit real heightened focus around about now, isn't it? Because there are a lot of worried people at many, many businesses up and down the country, and it's down to those directors and managing directors, um, presidents, CEOs, if you will, to try and provide some kind of reassurance, isn't there? And an important element of that is keeping communication channels open for starters.
1: Yes, exactly. And I mean, one of the key points about leadership is obviously being able to connect with your people so that you can lead them effectively. And one of the things that we've been doing is uh, having, uh, at least kind of have a weekly regular brief with people so that we can explain all of the measures that we're taking uh, and also explain to them what's happening with, I think that's more book, customer status, so that people have uh, got a clear understanding of not just uh, the health issues, But also the financial health of the business moving forward as well, um, to give them the reassurance that uh, we're okay from that perspective as well.
0: And it's so often said that times of adversity such as this do bring out the best in people. And indeed, we've seen some fantastic examples up and down the country of people, whether they've had to adapt to remote working or whether they've had to continue to uh, go working on site, they've just really mucked in and got on with it without any complaint. And have you very much found that to be the case um, with yourselves as well, in that everybody's really kind of gone in all hands to the pump and really approached this with a positive attitude?
1: Oh yeah, very much so. We've, I mean, just as far as health and safety in our workplace is concerned, uh, as I said, we've done a very thorough risk assessment of that. We've had everyone's involvement in that, and uh, as far as keeping the factory going throughout all of this, then um, we've had a, a lot of ideas that people have put forward about uh, efficiency saving, cost saving. Because to start that. that, that this is uh, very much a challenge for us from a health perspective as a nation, but also from a financial perspective for the business as well. And that, uh, any savings that we can make as soon as possible, um, stand us in a better stead for the future. And have many uh, cost saving ideas that, uh, have, uh, have come to bear already, so it very pleased with everyone's attitude and, uh, and approach that they've taken with investing.
0: Mm. I think I can certainly see where you're coming from uh, from uh, that point of view, uh, Simon, for sure. Um, If we do think about the future just for a moment and essentially future generations of emerging leaders out there, do you think that younger generations are a little bit afraid when they're in leadership roles of maybe trying new things and taking even measured risks while they're in business because they're essentially afraid of failing whereas there are actually there's actually merit in that in the sense that learning from setbacks is one of the ways that we fundamentally develop not just as leaders but also as people
1: yeah potentially yeah there's nothing wrong with taking a risk but there are rules to taking risks so for example, don't be completely maverick, and um if you're prepared to take the risk, then you're prepared to lose the stake. So you've always got to calculate the cost of the risk that you're planning on taking as well as the benefits, but also, in, very importantly, always have a backup plan and always know when to invoke that backup plan if the risk goes wrong. So many in many situations, uh, risks have been taken and uh, they have proven to be good. But it's all about having that that backup plan to go with that in case it all
0: mm. The reason I asked that question, Simon, is because everybody is saying at the moment that this uh, COVID-19 situation is really going to bring about a changed market environment and the world will never really revert back to the way that it was beforehand. And so business as a whole is having to adapt in order to seize upon the opportunities that will come about as a uh, result of this. And that inevitably is going to require some real innovation, some real adaptability and flexibility and some risk taking along with it as well, trying new things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the biggest situation that, as a country, we face is that um, we've just come out of Brexit, and it's obviously been overshadowed by what's happened to COVID-19. But both of those factors, uh, Brexit and COVID-19, we could use as the whole nation as an opportunity to make ourselves stronger. Manufacturing has always been at the heart of the country's economy and now there's an ideal opportunity for us to strengthen manufacturing and put manufacturing firmly at the forefront of the nation's economy. So it should not really be a risk, but it is a big thrust that we need to take. Uh, the country needs to become far more self-sufficient than it has been previously. Um, using manufacturing, that is the, the route forward for us, I think.
0: Mm, I think that's absolutely right, Simon. And um, I think there has been some real emphasis on the uh, the manufacturing uh, arena in particular in the uh, the government's um, response to this uh, pandemic thus far. Um, in terms of their leadership, have you been encouraged by what you've seen from them as well? well,
1: um, yes, not much. I mean, what you have to bear in mind, as far as the government uh, and the politicians are concerned, is that they're in completely uncharted waters. And it's all very good and well for, uh, the, to say that they should have done something differently, a different approach. But by and large, the, I like to be in the situation that we're in, but it's just a matter of accepting the situation that we're in and trying to get ourselves out of it as quickly as possible and as risk free as possible. And, um, and so, uh, I don't think it, this is the time for any criticism of the way that it's been handled. And I think that this is a time for us as a nation to stand together and, uh, and pull together and work our way out of it. mm
0: all right. So if we consider the um, the future now, Simon, before we do wrap things up on the, uh, the programme today, do give me an idea of what you envision the next 12 months holding for yourself and for Metspin Limited, and also what you hope to achieve, not just in that time in getting through COVID-19, but also what you envision for beyond the pandemic um, as well. Um, well, uh,
1: Metspin is about making a difference, um, it's predominantly now around building a culture where people can offer their skills to see and be valued for it. Um, my personal resource is that I run this company as a family business. Uh, my wife works with me and so does one of our sons. So everyone is treated as part of this wider advanced family and is valued and respected for it. Um, so in terms of what's in store for the company moving forward, it's about growth in new and existing markets and growth for the whole thing. I mentioned a post-Brexit, post-Corona world earlier on, uh, and I do really do think that we need to become more of a self-sufficient nation um, without the shackles of the EU and minimising the reliance on using low-cost economies. Um, so it's all going to be about growth. It's going to be about diversifying well as growing, in the, growing the existing ones and at the same time it's bringing our people along with us so that um, they develop at the same time.
0: Mm. Very interesting uh, plans for the future uh, for sure uh, Simon and um, I think from a listener's point of view, I actually think it would be really beneficial um, if over the next year, once we start to see these plans come to fruition and we start to understand what the situation will be going forward, if we could perhaps catch up and have you back on the programme just to see how the uh, the business um, is doing in uh, that sense and how things have fundamentally changed around us. Um, it yeah, is, I'd love to it is um, a shame that we're just about out of time on the uh, the programme uh, today, Simon, but um, I have to say it's been a really informative experience uh, today uh, having you on the air. And thank you ever so much for coming on to speak with me for the listeners' benefit, for sure. It's been a real, real pleasure.
1: Okay, thank you, Scott. And no, I appreciate the time. Um, Always So um, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to market
0: us. Thanks ever so much, Simon. And do take care and do stay safe with everything still going on as well.
1: Okay. All right. Thank you, Scott. And thank you.
0: Take care. That was Simon Lane, CEO and owner of Metspin Limited. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Sir Andrew Strauss. Sir Andrew is, of course, a former England cricketer, but is currently the director of cricket for the England and Wales Cricket Board. As a player, he became one of only three England captains to have secured the ashes both at home and away in Australia. But notably, he's also the England skipper with the second highest number of Test victories victories under his belt in history. I hope you enjoy listening to the interview just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Andrew, and that's coming up next.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White, and today we are joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the ECB. Sir Andrew, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Real pleasure to be here. Thank you.
2: The pleasure is all of ours. You know, And you've had a distinguished career, as I said, both on and off the pitch in English cricket, recognised not least with your knighthood for services to sport just last year. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, there have been ups and downs in the career, like any career, including public and private disagreements with certain individuals. And on that front, I think what everybody wants to know, have you finally forgiven Marcus Dresscothic for giving you that stupid Lord Brockett nickname?
3: <laughs> um, well, m- my recollection... Of was It wasn't Marcus Riscoth that you gave me that nickname, oh. it was actually Mark Butcher. Uh, He's but to blame. I think there were a lot of people, it was the senior England teams at the mo- mm. at that time who wanted to sort of put me in my place and make sure that I didn't get above my station. So um, uh, thankfully it didn't particularly <laughs> stick, other than within those group of players.
2: And you really did try and get on their nerves by getting above your station, because of course in your first outing uh, you went on to score 112. Mm. Now, am I right in saying this, perhaps, that you only got there because Michael Vaughn did himself an injury?
3: Well, that was the reason I got on the pitch in the yes. first place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's often sort of misunderstood or misjudged the role that luck plays in a in an international career or sporting career full stop. And, um, you know, I was wait, waiting patiently in the wings mm. for an opportunity and it didn't really seem like an opportunity was going to come along. And then...
2: Um, and when managing a team, uh, you're required to manage, of course, what some people could call big personalities. Others could use different, shorter words. <laughs> How poisonous can it be, players, when players, and indeed, and this applies again to so many different areas of life, when individuals, um, think they are perhaps more important than, than a team?
3: in the English summer, uh, just like the McGrath Foundation days yes. in, in Sydney and in Australia.
2: Well, it's been a complete inspiration, um, and uh, I'm very much sure we can talk about that perhaps late in a few months as well. Absolutely. Um, before we go, as I'm conscious of the time. we uh, It's also an exciting year for domestic cricket, um, not least uh, because of the introduction of the 100, not without its critics, so I should. Andrew, I know you're uh, a big proponent of it. Um, the Blast has clearly shown... Um,